Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. The final from Fenway in Boston. It's the Red Sox 4, the Indians 3. I'm Davey Barris, lifelong Cleveland baseball fan, and I want to talk about the actual game on the field, the thing I enjoy watching baseball being played. And I know this sounds a little different because I'm frankly recording this in a rental car in Colorado, and that's why it's coming to you a little late this morning. Uh, it's a Colorado baseball morning, I guess. Um, but once again, the Indians and Red Sox come down to uh, to the ninth inning. Of course, they come down to the end. Of course, they come down to the bullpens. Of course, both pitchers end up with a no decision in this one. And uh, the Red Sox come out on top once again, which they seem to have been doing the entire season series against us. We did it in the finale in the home series. Let's see if we can do it in the finale of the away series to them. So I'm not going to go very long today, but... I did want to talk to you and talk some baseball. And frankly, uh, what a pitching performance. I mean, the top storyline in this game has to be the pitching performance. And Eli Morgan and Tanner Houck for the Red Sox were absolutely on fire. The final line for Eli Morgan, five and two thirds, three hits, no runs. He did get into trouble with four walks, but he was able to limit the damage because of seven strikeouts. On the other side, Hauk goes a solid five innings. He also gives up three hits. Uh, no runs, no walks for Hauk. Seven strikeouts on his side. And these guys were absolutely filthy to the to the right side of the plate. Now I'm talking uh, the pitcher's view. I just got done watching the highlights. Both of these righties were absolutely nailing strikeouts on the right side of the plate. For Eli Morgan, it was his fastball. I don't care what they call it. It's a two-seam fastball. It looks like a two-seam fastball. It's got what they call arm side, uh, arm side break to it, arm side tail to it. It breaks towards his arm side, um, the arm he throws with. And it was filthy. I mean, it's a 90, 91 mile per hour fastball. But because of that movement to it, and especially if you go back and watch the highlights, one of the highlights, they threw the tail on it where they put that kind of glowing colored tail to the pitch so you can really see the movement and you can see how much his fastball moves and uh really nasty pitch from Eli Morgan and he was using it really effectively to get those strikeouts for um for Tanner Houck it looked like a combination of some kind of splitter some kind of off-speed pitch that he was throwing to those uh to everybody to righties to lefties it didn't matter who you were Tanner Houck was striking you out. And uh, let's take a look exactly where all those strikeouts came on. Eli Morgan, uh, six of his seven strikeouts came on fastballs. He threw one slider to get a strikeout there. Who did he get with the slider? He got, uh, let's see, Bobby Dahlbeck with a slider in the fourth inning to end that inning. Uh, yeah, everything else is fastballs. Most of them are into the righties, away to the lefties. One fastball he threw across the zone. And that was to strike out J.D. Martinez. So you got Martinez to chase that one uh, in the sixth inning. So, yeah, let's take a look at Tanner Houck. What was he doing? He was really using all his pitches effectively. Uh, two sliders for strikeouts, two splitters for strikeouts, a, a sinker for a strikeout, a fastball up. The fastball up, let me guess, who was that to? I think that was to a righty, Ahmed Rosario chased a fastball up and in the sinker the hard sinker in was to Yu Chang so he got the righty there and then he got he threw another fastball that just blew away Lavarnway 
in the strike zone. That was to end the fifth inning. So two splitters, two sliders, a sinker, and two fastballs. But all his pitches were really moving, had lots of movement. If we go over to the player breakdown here, um, let's take a look and see which pitch was the best for each pitcher. For Eli Morgan, man, it was a ton of fastballs, and he was working. 66 of his 96 pitches were fastballs. 21 sliders, only threw that great change of his seven times. One cutter and one curve. The fastball, 32 swings, 14 whiffs on that fastball for a 44% whiff rate, swing and miss rate. Add in eight called strikes, it's good for a 33% CSW total on that four-seam fastball. By far his most effective pitch. His other pitches were down in the teens when it comes to CSW. Got a little bit of swing and miss on the slider, but no called strikes on it. Um, so yeah, that's what was working for Eli Morgan. For Tanner Houck on the other side, and man, we struggle against this guy. Uh, we couldn't touch that splitter. Four swings, four whiffs, 100% whiff rate on that splitter. Uh, for CSW, my God. Okay, so he threw a pretty decent mix of pitches. 26 fastballs, 22 sliders, 12 sinkers, 8 splitters. Here's the CSW numbers. 35% CSW on the fastball, 36% on the slider, 33% on the sinker, and 63% CSW on the splitter. That's good for a 38% CSW total on the day. That is touching elite stuff. Now, he doesn't go deep into this game. Uh, I believe he would get into a little bit of trouble in that sixth inning, and then they would go to the bullpen. Um, so yeah, so that would be the end of the day for him. But man, really dominant five innings here from Tanner Houck. For a guy who doesn't even have a win on the season, the poor guy is 0-3 on the season and just begging for uh, uh, begging for a win here. I mean, it's kind of crazy that Tanner Houck has pitched this well against us twice in a row. And he's still 0-3 on the season in 12, uh, is that 12 starts for him? 12 games, I don't know how many of those are starts. Um, let's see here. 12 games, 10 starts. 10 starts in 12 games. 3-2-6 ERA on the season. A 1.15 whip. Uh, I'd love to know what his K rate is. Ks per nine are at 11.23. This guy is a strikeout machine. So yeah, so it's really a great pitching matchup on both sides. Eli Morgan is in an interesting situation because he's pitching fantastic. But is there going to be a spot for him in the rotation next year once Beaver and Savali come back healthy? I mean, you've got to imagine that the leading candidates to start in 2022, and believe me, we're going to get into a lot of 2022 conversations, guardian season conversations as this thing winds down. But there's still baseball going on. There's still baseball to talk about. So those are fun off-season conversations. Those are fun. Those will be fun conversations for us in October. But, uh, you know, Bieber, Savali, Plesak, Quantrill, that really leaves one starting spot still among Eli Morgan, Tristan McKenzie. Can't tell me Logan Allen hasn't pitched well, right? There's three guys kind of vying for that fifth spot still. And uh, we'll see. Sam Henches looks like maybe out of the bullpen is probably his best bet and uh, having an impact on the Major League team. So we'll see. Do they do something like the White Sox do, where they stock their bullpen full of young starters? Henches, Logan Allen would give them a lefty out of the bullpen, and maybe let McKenzie be the starter, 
and let these other guys work out of the bullpen. Don't forget J.C. Mejia, too, pitched effectively out of the bullpen to start the season. Obviously, has had his struggles later as a starter. I still think that slider is nasty, and I still think there's potential there. So there's a lot of names. There's going to be a lot of turnover in the bullpen, and there's a lot of young starters that might fill those spots until things shake out. It might also be trade chips. Who knows? So there's a lot to get into there. Let's get into how this game actually ends, because that's the second storyline of this game. Oh, the big home runs are back. Uh, Boston and Cleveland love hitting home runs off each other. Cleveland is on some kind of streak where a home run in every game, I think it's the last, ooh, I want to say 17 or 18. They said it on the broadcast. I don't have it in front of me, but they've hit a home run in a lot of consecutive games. Well, Boston gets things started in the seventh inning, and it's Devers, and Devers is a star, man. This guy is good. It would be his only hit on the day. It would come with two runners on, and uh, he'd be facing for the Indians, Blake Parker, out of the bullpen. And uh, Parker honestly hit his spot. Let's see what this pitch was um, supposed to be. Uh, let's see here. Let's go to the matchup and see what this pitch was. I'm shocked that they didn't go with, uh, go with that good, uh, breaking ball of his. I'm surprised, or the, the, uh, the splitter. I'm surprised they didn't go with that good splitter of his because that splitter is a nasty pitch, um, that can get a lot of hitters out. And, uh, I'm just stalling so that I can reset all the options here and, uh, get this view for us. So he attacked him with all fastballs. Didn't throw one off-speed pitch to Raphael Devers. It's all fastballs away. Clearly something in the scouting report is telling them to throw all fastballs away. And uh, the last one creeps into the zone on a full count, and uh, he delivers the home run. 108.4 miles per hour to center field, just left the center over the monster, 419 feet. And it'd be a three-run home run off Blake Parker. Why did not Parker not throw him one of those splitters? My God, you've thrown him five fastballs in a row. You'd think a splitter away would be the perfect pitch from Blake Parker. But no, he uh, they go with another fastball. Did Parker throw any splitters on the day? Yeah, he'd thrown three of them. Hadn't had any success with them, but he'd thrown three of them. I would have gone splitter there. Uh, <laughs> what? I mean, who am I? So Blake Parker throws a fastball, and they absolutely crush it. So then the Indians get their chance in the ninth inning. And what a ninth inning for the Cleveland Indians. Jose Ramirez singles to start things off. Bobby Bradley goes opposite field. I love the approach. Drops a double into the left field corner. One hops the monster. Hit it pretty well, 95 miles per hour. Still one hop the monster. And uh, Jose comes all the way around from first to score. They move him over on a ground out of Harold Ramirez ground out. Bradley Zimmer has a chance to deliver a big hit here and instead goes down swinging. Zimmer is struggling in clutch situations. That brings up for Neil Reyes, who's pinch hitting for Sinchu Chu. I'm not Sinchu Chu, for Yu Chang. I, I apologize there. For Yu Chang. And uh, for Neil Reyes comes up, gets down in the count. You know, he's, he's really battling here. Ends up getting a slider. A slider that spins right back to the middle of the plate. And Fermil Reyes absolutely crushes it 105 miles per hour, 417 feet over the monster. 
It's a game-tying home run, and we just got done talking yesterday about how clutch Vermeil Reyes has been, and he comes up huge in this spot. I The one thing I hope it doesn't lead to is him thinking he has to hit a home run in the ninth inning, right? Even if he would have shot a single the opposite way, it still would have been a huge hit. But this is a big, big game-tying pinch-hit home run, and the Indians are pumped up until Boston comes up in the bottom of the ninth. Travis Shaw leads it off with a single, a sack bun from Aruiz, and uh, moves him over. Schwarber flies out. They pitch to Schwarber, but they want nothing to do with Devers. So they figure with two outs, they'll walk Devers. Then they decide they don't want anything to do with J.D. Martinez. They want Alex Verdugo. Now, why do they want Verdugo? Well, the splits say it actually was the right call with a lefty on the mound. Uh, and it's a decent sample size here. He's had 169 at-bats, 180 plate appearances against lefties, only 344 plate appearances against righties. He's hitting only he's hitting 328 off those righties with a 929 OPS. He's only hitting 213 off those lefties with a 533 OPS. His slugging is only 272 off those lefties. So it would be safe to say that he definitely struggles against the lefties a little bit more than the righties. It's a good matchup. Unfortunately, unfortunately, he drives one over the head of uh, Daniel Johnson in right field. And I'm thinking to myself, what is Daniel Johnson? Where is he lining up? Why is he playing this shallow? It were two outs. It's not like it was a setting up a situation where you had to like catch a fly ball and then try to throw home to get the runner tagging up. There were two outs. All you had to do was catch the fly ball, and we go to extra innings. But for some reason, Daniel Johnson is playing very shallow and off the line. I, I don't know. With a lefty up, you would figure going to the outfield, he might pull the ball. And, uh, yeah, it was just a bad, I don't know, it got over his head. So the uh, Red Sox end up walking it off in the bottom of the ninth. Our bullpen falters. Uh, really, everyone in the bullpen has a little bit to blame on this one. Wickren, Blake Parker, Brian Shaw, and uh, Alex Young doesn't get credited with the run given up. The run actually gets credited to Shaw, but Alex Young is the one who gave up the hit. So, yeah, it's a rough one for the Indians. We fall once again to the Red Sox. The bullpen is struggling. There's no doubt about it that the bullpen has fallen on a little bit of hard times. Uh, so we'll see. The Red Sox are a good team. They're a good hitting team and they made us pay late. All right. That is all my thoughts on this one. Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland baseball morning. Thanks for understanding. Obviously the sound quality, not what it normally is. Again, recording in a rental car with a Bluetooth headphone on. And uh, I appreciate you sticking with me. I'll be back a few more days of this and I'll be back recording in my studio. So Thanks for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning. Again, the final from Boston. It's the Red Sox 4, the Indians 3. The matchup tomorrow, Plesak going against Pavetta, uh, who I don't believe we saw last time. Then on Monday, we go to a six-man rotation. Savali is back. They don't feel the need to send anyone down because they can, you know, they got expanded rosters to 28, so somebody's going to go down. But it's not going to be a starter. They figure, why push anyone at this point in the season? Let's just let's just use six starters. It'll give everybody a little break. Plus, they have three double headers this month. And the six starters will definitely come in to help 
when it comes to dealing with those uh, three doubleheaders this this month. So that's what they're going with. So I believe Logan Allen should start on Monday, and then Savali is supposed to start on Tuesday uh, in the Minnesota series back home. So that's what we got coming up. Why not? Why not go six starters? Um, you can email me at clevelandbaseballmornings at gmail.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Davey Barris. Leave a message on the Anchor app. And thanks again for joining me on this Cleveland Baseball Morning.